RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. Well, hey, long time no see. Yeah. <laughs> Been a while, huh? Just Jerry Pizak here along with uh, Brandon Thompson on A Place for My Head. And um, man, I, I, first off, before we get into the, the, the meat of the show today, uh, I want to say thank you to Brandon. <laughs> Because your patience has been utterly ridiculous with me over the last two months. And, and that's because I, I got professional help or else it would have been irritability craziness. Ah! Say, I'm sure it was you know, <laughs> drugs, alcohol, sex, something you had to take up to fill the time. I mean, yeah, I, I did fun. <laughs> but, uh, you know, first off, thank you to Brandon for, for being patient with me. We've been gone for a while and it's 10,000 percent my fault. Um, there's been a lot going on in my world. Um, when last we spoke, uh, right after we recorded our last episode, both of us went out of town. Yep. Um, I, I went up to Michigan for a family wedding. I think you went out of town on business, wasn't it? No, we, it was a family vacation, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So we get back into town and I text Brandon. I said, dude, I have no voice. <laughs> yep. He's like, wait, what? I said, I, ha- I, I, I have no voice. Yep. And Brandon's like, well, that's okay. You know, I'm not feeling so hot either. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take a week or two off. A month later, I hit Brandon up. I go, Dude, I, I still have no voice. He's like, all right, this is fucking ridiculous. What the hell? <laughs> so, so I, I posted a couple videos on Facebook so people would know I wasn't like making it up as I'm driving into my car on the way to my office, and I'm going, sorry guys, I have no voice. I can't, I don't want to subject you guys to an hour of this shit. <laughs> so, first off, I was sicker than hell. Plus, we, we we both sounded like shit. Yeah, yeah. We didn't want to cough and hack and and right. die in your ear. So that, that that that's the first part of the story. Second part of the story is well, I was sick and sounding like this. It was determined that my mom needed to have some some major surgery, and uh, I I don't want to get too into her medical stuff, but uh, the woman had her second complete shoulder replacement in two and a half years. Damn. So first side was her right side, which was her, her non-dominant side. That was bad enough. This one was her left. And the poor woman has like no coordination because she's left-handed. She does everything left-handed. So <laughs> her, her mobility is restricted already because of the first one. And now it's the second one. And this poor woman has been T-Rexing her way through life (laughs) for the last month. And my wife and I have basically been living at her place, taking care of her because she's still, as we speak on a one pound weight restriction. Oh my God. So think about trying to do everyday stuff on a one pound weight restriction. I got a five-year-old man. There ain't no way that's going to happen. <laughs> no, no. And my mom lives alone. She has a cat, you know, it's like that, that's her world. So that's where I've been for the last month. What have you been doing? Uh, working and working and working. And now I remember when you called me and why I sounded like shit, it was from, uh, a vacation with our dear friend, uh, that got engaged and it, it was, cra- it's a crazy story, but we, we were in Napa Valley. Nice. And so I was recovering from six days of, of like four bottles of wine a day. So, oh, tough gig. <laughs> yeah. Tough gig. But <laughs> yeah, we, we were like in Michigan about as far north as you could go without seeing a Canadian flag. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was beautiful up there. It was absolutely gorgeous. I, we were in a, a little, small little town on Lake Michigan called Petoskey. Um, gorgeous. I mean, yeah. there might have been five or six thousand people in this little town. It was, mm-hmm. it was just, I mean, 
beautiful. But yeah, so yeah, no. talk about Napa a little bit, man. Man, that I, I had no idea that I would like it as much as I did. I mean, it's definitely it can't be a bucket list because I've been there, but I want to go back so bad. We did like three, uh, you know, private vineyard uh, wine tastings uh, a day. So we went to three different places a day and was just pounding wine. And we we're inside the the mountains and the hills in, in California and stuff like that. And uh, it was just, it was incredible. Every single speck of that place is beautiful. So I can't wait to go back. But um, But I'm also glad to be back. I'm glad to be here. So... Yeah. So again, you know, I, I know it's been a while, but you know, the, some of the, the lack of voice, the, the being sick, and then all of this with my family and my mom was totally unavoidable. So I, you know, again, it, it was ten thousand percent on me. Brandon didn't ditch you. It, it's my fault. Hate me. You can send those <laughs> love letters to me. But uh, but you know, I, I just wanted to say thank you again for being patient, and uh, you know, it really means a lot. And. You know, we're we're real serious about what we're doing here. And, uh, you know, starting today, you know, we're, we're back on track. So, um, you know, again, that's what's been going on. And, and again, thank you for your patience and thank you for sticking with us. And, you know, we're not going anywhere. So um, lots been in the news, obviously, um, you know, and, and there's been a lot of triggers in the world lately, you know, whether it's, you know, politically with the news or. You know, there was another school shooting recently out in yeah. California. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I've got to say, you know, I, I've had really good feedback on what we've done so far. Likewise, yeah. Um, I had a conversation with someone who actually wants to be a guest at some point with us. Yep. Um, who was, I, I don't want to say triggered, but triggered for lack of a, a better word by the conversation. And you and I haven't talked about this, so I'm just springing this on you. Cool. Uh, about the bipolar conversation. Right. She goes, I get where he's coming from, but I can look at it from the other side. And I was like, cool, let's do it. Yeah. So down the road, we're going to, we're going to make that happen. Yep. Um, but you know, there are just so many triggers in the world right now and things are upside down for everybody. I I don't know anybody that isn't like at their wits end, whether it's work, news, family, everyday life, man. Exactly. And, And I know you've been going through it as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's not just, we don't wear it, uh, you know, on our skin and whatnot. It's, it's always buried like deep inside within. So, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to camouflage that stuff, but a lot of us are really, really good at hiding it and just, you know, keeping it inside and stuff. And I actually had someone reach out to me that wrote a book about, uh, bipolar being bipolar and, and, and surviving it and beating it, but probably living with it still, but how she got there and whatnot. So that'll be interesting to get her on as well. Yeah, no, I think that would be great. But, uh, you know, you, you said it yourself, you know, as guys, and we've talked about this in prior episodes, you know, as guys, we're always taught, you know, you can't be emotional and, and you, you know, you've got to be, you got to be the rock. You got to be stone faced. You can't, you know, wear your emotions on your sleeve. And I, Lord knows I've been accused of that a million times in my life, but you know, that's just the way I am. And, you know, in, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with that. No, man. And, and I grew up like, I'm, we've touched on this many times with, you know, my dad calling me a pussy or anything like that. If I felt you know, depressed or sad or anything like that and looked at taking medication as, you know, just being a weak person instead of have to grow up, like, you know, grow up that way and then start to face some of this stuff when you get older and then have to actually do some of that stuff. You have to work through those, 
those uh, those comments and stuff like that. So it sucks. But the whole basis of what I'm saying right now, it's just dudes and dudes that you may or men or mentors or people you look up to consider heroes or whatever the case may be. You'd be surprised the percentage of them that go through this kind of stuff. You know, guys are allowed to have these emotions. Guys are allowed to have the mental illnesses that are out there. Right. So, I mean, I think we were just talking, I mean, this is, it came out a long time ago. It's a little old news now, but like per- Percy Harvin, um, being a wide receiver, ex wide receiver, he former wide receiver right, for the Vikings, now. right? Yeah. And he was a first round draft pick by the Vikings. There you go. And openly admitted in an interview that he was high every single fucking game that he played as a professional athlete. Well, before the draft, he was drafted first round by the Vikings in 09, I think. He actually got popped. He tested positive for marijuana before the draft. And there were teams that took him off the draft board. Wow. Now, I don't know. You know, some of our listeners may not be sports people, but going into the NFL draft, a lot of teams you know, set up what they call their draft board where, you know, they've got, you know, their f- top 10 tier players. And then, you know, as they come down, you know, they, they basically it's player rankings. Right. And some teams actually took him off their board yeah. completely. Well, I mean, yeah, you're looking at a college kid at that point <laughs> that tested positive for marijuana, and I don't know how many years he was a player, but, you know, nowadays marijuana really isn't that big of a deal um, because it's legal in all different places now. But uh, but back then, you know, you, it's a risk at that point. You got you tested positive, so he couldn't stay clean just to take drug tests going into the draft. And he's uh, he's probably only 21 at that point, 22, maybe. Maybe. Right. Tops. So he's kid basically still yeah. in there in the NFL's eyes. So and, and you don't have to be a football fan to understand what we're talking about. Imagine a tennis player, a baseball player, um, you know, any type of professional athlete out there that you're watching a hockey player. Imagine knowing that one of the biggest stars in the game was high every single game because of anxiety. Yeah. Anxiety. Like, anxiety and, and he had <clears throat> just some, you know, migraine issues and yeah. it was basically self medicating. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. For lack of a better term. It was like marijuana was the only thing that got him to chill out and not be so anxious. And he would talk about like doing interviews and stuff like that and he would just be sweating buckets and, and the coaches kinda knew about it, so they kept towels next to him so that he could, you know, like brought like take a towel to his face and he'd be like sweating on you know in the front the back and underarms all that stuff well that goes back that's like uh i mean we're going even further back now ricky williams when he came out of texas mm-hmm. um the running back would do locker room interviews in his helmet yeah yeah, yeah. all kinds of weird shit because like, he couldn't deal with the anxiety exactly and exactly. you know later he came out and admitted you know i've got some personality disorder you know stuff but nobody understood it yeah. And nobody got it. Everybody thought this guy was a freak. And now Ricky Williams is majorly into the cannabis business. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not a hater of marijuana. I, I can't, I can't take it or, or consume it however or smoke it myself. Cause I'll run in a corner and get really paranoid shit, but <laughs> I wish I could, but I mean, you know, I'll, I'll get a little personal here. And before I, I got a good grip on my anxiety, cause that was like, that's been my main thing is anxiety. Um, and panic attacks and whatnot. Um, but back in the day, man, years ago, before I figured everything out, I was scared to death of mirrors. Really? Mirrors. I could not look at myself in a mirror. Interesting. I mean, this lasted years. I've, I've never heard of that one before. It's, I don't know what it is. I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I just didn't want to look at myself in a mirror. What would happen if you did? 
I, everything would go crazy in my head. I would say, you know, I look like shit. I, you're not presentable at work or um, somewhat, you know, anything, you know, you're fat and blah, like whatever. It didn't matter. I didn't want to see me. It was like not, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin at that point. Wow. So um, getting, hurtling past that has been like a major victory for me because now I'm just like, what's up? I can look. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so dog. <laughs> it's no problem. You now. wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and go, sup, you sexy motherfucker. Yeah. How you doing? <clears throat> but uh, yeah, that was a big, big, big deal. Like, you know, I, it didn't matter where I was. If I was going to the bathroom at a, re- at a restaurant, you know, head down. Wow. Wash my hands, towel, get the fuck out of there. That's, I mean, that scared of mirrors. Wow. Yeah. I wrote about it too. I have, I've never posted it, but because it's kind of, it's kind of, I don't say, it's a little vulgar, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I get pissed off at a mirror and I write about it, <laughs> but whatever. Well, you got to be careful of those runaway mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. And, and, you know, people don't realize that. You know, there are so many people in this world that have things like that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yours was a mirror. You know, somebody else could be I mean, it, it could literally be anything. Yeah. Like yeah. I remember maybe like 2013, I was like, just do it, like get the courage and just look and see what's going. I mean, imagine like you see, look, I do my hair and like I figured out ways of doing my hair without a without looking at my myself. I'm totally fascinated by this conversation. I don't understand how I managed to do that, but I say, how did you survive? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's literally one of those things that we just do. I know it's, it's like an everyday thing, like breathing, you know, you're going to come across a mirror every damn day, especially if you're going to get ready every day or go to the bathroom. But I avoided those things like the plague, like straight up, get the fuck away from me. I'm not going to get in front of one. And if I do, I have to, dude, oh God, that reminds me before I got a hold of this, when I, I get my hair cut often, like every single week. Yeah, I, I know I, you do. Yeah. I get my hair cut. Right. And it's just one of my things. Imagine sitting in the chair and oh, trying God. not to look at yourself. Imagine, just imagine. And then the whole time, you know, they want you to face your head this way or turn here, or turn this, do that. And I would always find one focal point on the ground to lock my eyes on when, whenever the, my barber at the time was doing it. And, um, and it was a, it was a fucking challenge. And if I did like lock eyes with myself, dude, my day was just ruined. Okay. So that begs the question when they got done with the back of your head (laughs) and they held the mirror back there, I fake it. I would fake it. I'd be like, Oh fuck. Yeah. It looks good, man. Awesome. (laughs) Sweet. Not even being able to see shit. I I, I pull the old, "Eh, I trust you. Yeah. I, I, I need to get to that. No, no, really. Look, (laughs) no, I'm, I'm good. I, I I trust you. It's just hair. Like if you fucked it up, it'll grow back. It's all good. Do you think it looks good? Yeah. No, we're good. Then we're fine. We are fine. So how did you, how did you overcome it? Um, just by getting help, man. Um, you know, getting help and, and I was, you know, I think I was seeing, um, just a regular doctor at the time and I was taking like, you know, benzos. I can't remember the name of it, but they weren't doing shit for me. You know, that's just, that wasn't the right, um, you know, diagnosis for me to be taking that kind of stuff. So I needed to get the actual professional help and talk to someone that actually knew what the hell was going on and could identify what kind of, you know, uh, anxiety I had with mine was like, I don't know if there was a specific term for it, but it's without agoraphobia. Okay. Um, which agoraphobia is the, it's the, uh, being scared of open space. 
so the bigger, like imagine yourself, like we're in our, the studio right now, like it's pretty, pretty tight. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but going into a football stadium or baseball stadium and looking up and being completely frightened by this, by the mass of it, thinking you're, you're, you're like, you're in trouble. You're about to die. Like craziness like that. So it'd probably be, and I mean, I, I don't know. So guide me here kind of along the lines of being claustrophobic. Yeah. But opposite. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's crazy. So that, but that was like, that's all I really remember from it. But, uh, you know, I'm glad that, uh, some people pushed me to, to go see people and, and, and get there because I'm like, I mean, I'm night and day now. So, uh, I, you know, I just, I thank God and I thank all those people for pushing me because I wouldn't be here. Well, I don't want to say I wouldn't be here, but I definitely would be doing the podcast and I'd be still running for mirrors and shit. Right. So. <laughs> that's fascinating. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. Hmm. Well, back, I mean, back, let's go back to Percy Harvin. We were talking about him and, and yeah, we were talking a little bit about how, and, and again, I'm sniffling. So if you hear me cough in the background, I apologize. I'm two months later, I'm still coughing. Um, but you know, we were talking about Percy Harvin and, and, you know, p- kind of people in the spotlight. And I know you've got some history with that, but before we get into that, you know, you were talking about the marijuana side of things and, you know, growing up, I was always the straight laced, you know, I didn't, I didn't have my first sip of alcohol until I was 22. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, up until a couple of years ago, I was like, I want nothing to do with marijuana. You know, it's not my thing. I, I never even tried it. And, um, you know, I, tr- I had a chiropractor get me on CBD. Mm-hmm. And because I've got some some scar tissue and some nerve damage in, in the right side of my chest. And he's like, this this will help. And I'm like, son of a bitch, it's, it's working. Oh, that's cool. And and I swear by this stuff now. And just within the last, I don't know, three or four months, I tried pot first time okay i'm so proud of myself i did it and you know it it, you know it i i didn't really feel much the first time i was like no okay this isn't that big of a deal and i don't get it but you know after an hour i was like okay well i'm a little more chill now this is i'm good with this right you know so i just from that one experience i i kind of get it right yeah, right. I, I'm more understanding of it, and yeah, I'm, it's the only time I've done it, but um, I, I, I kind of get it. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had some gummies before, I guess, mm-hmm. pot gummies or whatever, and I think nowadays, like, when I talk about paranoia, I'm talking about, like, back in the day, like, you know, college era, 20s and stuff, when it wasn't, like, government-grade stuff, it was <laughs> just what, I, I don't know what the terms are. But God now, only knows what was in that shit. I know, and <laughs> now nowadays, like, I think everything's, like, you know, just crafted however the whatever the terms are to to make it a certain like blend of of whatever and they can control some of those uh i guess you could call them side effects Mm -hmm. right and i had a gummy and i I remember i was just like oh man this is this is is actually is actually really chill i can see how people could have good use out of it granted it felt like a controlled substance so you know it wasn't something i wanted to like do right. all day, every day, or you know, every other day, or anything like that. It was just fun. It was fun to try it. Yeah. So. See, I'm I'm blessed that I did. I don't have that genetic, you know, that that uh, the the genetic disposition of leaning toward addiction. I I don't like I don't have that personality. Basically, thank you I, <clears throat> for our English speaking folk. What he said, <laughs> um, you know. So I've I've never gotten addicted on anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, years ago when I was going through some of the medical shit I was going through, I mean, I was taking, you know, a dozen morphine pills a day and I did this for like three and a half years. Yeah. I mean, granted, I was a zombie most of the time, but I, I didn't get hooked on it. Right. So I, I'm kind of, I'm blessed in, in that regard, but you know, I, I've had a million people over the years say, Hey, you know, with the anxiety and the depression and the shit you deal with, you're pretty high strung most of the time. It would probably be good for you. Yeah. I'm like, mm. at that point I was in a position professionally where I'm like, it would be my luck. Oh, I've yeah, never definitely. been, I've never been drug tested for anything in my life. Oh man. The time I know it's crazy. No. I've had so many <laughs> no. working radio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, people don't know. Well, never mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you don't know, um, but I'm like, you know, the first time I try it, that would be the one time I get drug tested. Right. Right. So that raised my anxiety even more. And I got paranoid about that. And I'm like, nah, I got enough problems. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I've, I've had a lot of people tell me that it would probably be good for me. Yeah. No, I, I would. After like my experience with the gummy or whatever, I, I would say, yeah, for sure. It absolutely would. So this, so this circles back to Percy Harvin Mm -hmm. and the anxiety he had. Mm -hmm. And I totally get it. And, you know, uh, I, I came up in the sports radio world, so I've seen the other side of sports where I've seen, and I don't want to limit it to sports, but that's just what I'm going on because of my background. You know, people don't realize the punishment these guys take. Oh my God. You know, they only see the spotlight. They only see the the TV. They only see, you know, the big personality. They don't see them the day after the game where it takes them 45 minutes just to get up and walk to the bathroom. Yeah, to digress, like I I refer to it as Fight Club. I get home from work sometimes and even way back in the day when I was challenged with this stuff, like it took me, it would take me a good solid hour, hour and a half just to just to, you know, get my bearings and try to like relax Decompress. and re- re- yeah, and, and realize that I'm home and I'm in a safe place and I'm good. And I can let all, cause you, you're battling all day, like all these different triggers and shit and you get home and you're still kind of like whacked out. Mm-hmm. And then you can finally, when you finally get your calm space back and you're good to go, then the next thing you know, wife's asleep, daughter's asleep, you're by yourself. It's like, what are we doing? Oh shit. Day's over. Groundhog day. Fuck. Let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, and it sucks, but Things aren't like that anymore. Uh, or, I mean, I guess everybody gets stressed out, but it's not nowhere near that level. So, um, yeah, but I mean, you know, Percy Arvin, you, you, you see these guys and, uh, and nine times out of ten, people automatically think that they're millionaires. So they're, they've got. Oh, they don't have any problems. Yeah, they don't have any problems. They got the ticket to happiness for the rest of their life. Like, right. No, nah, man. <laughs> no, that's not how yeah. it works. It's not you how know, it works. And you're, you're starting to see now, you know, guys that retired 10 years ago. 15 years ago are starting to come out now and say, yeah, I'm, I'm messed up, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, concussion issues, yep. you know, back and neck issues, knee issues, you know, all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. And these guys are finally starting to come out and say, Hey, everybody loves football, but maybe it's not the greatest thing in the world for your body. No. And, and the analogy that was always made to me was on every play, And every tackle, it's the equivalent of being hit by a a car doing about 30 mile an hour. Jeez. And if you think about it, athletes are getting bigger. They're getting stronger. They're getting faster. Mm -hmm. So from that aspect, that car is now gone from doing 20 mile an hour to 25 mile an hour to 30 mile an hour. And, you know, you've got some of these freaks in nature that are 300 pounds, six foot five, 300 pounds that are running four four forties, yeah, and hit like a Mack truck, yeah. 
you know, there's no way the human body wasn't built for it. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm the biggest football dork in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I worked alongside the Buccaneers for a long time. But, um, you know, scientifically, you know, the NFL is trying to do things mm-hmm. to eliminate, you know, the concussions and things like that. And, you know, and a, a big a big factor in that was was the movie Concussion. It brought a lot of things to life. I was guess it was I guess it's been six or seven years ago now, but it was it starred Will Smith. Will as, Smith. I was thinking. Yeah. Who, yeah. As Dr. Bennett Amalu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that movie opened a lot of eyes. And one of the guys that was mentioned in that movie is a former buccaneer named Tom McHale, who I was buddies with. Mm-hmm. And Tom had CTE and went off the deep end and ended up dead here locally in Tampa. Uh. And Tom was one of those guys that was just he was like a teddy bear, yeah. you know, publicly. And, and that's the that's the Tom I knew. Mm-hmm. But again, like we've talked about, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Nope. You know, and, and I know your time on the road, it's business. Or it's, it's a different business from sports and music. But I know I know you've seen a lot, too. Yeah, no, it's 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 terrible. I mean, you know, and I was just thinking <laughs> uh, jackass, you know, MTV's jackass or whatever. And how many times they've had like boxers come on and, and punch those guys and knock them out and stuff like that. But I was like, I think Johnny Knoxville had like full pads and everything and got hit by a tight end or I think it was a tight end. Um, just to, you know, to, for a funny prank or whatever, as, uh, you know, what those guys do and it knocked him out, you know, and he, all he did was give him a, a good shoulder like they would do in a normal game. And he was just out concussed, like, I mean, passed out. And it's like that, that, that'll put some perspective on what it really feels like to get hit like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And, and, you know, how these guys cope with it, you know, a lot of them don't. Because, you know, they came up in the the machismo sports, you know, I'm fine. I just got to get up, put me back in coach, you know, whatever. And, you know, after a while, it takes a toll, not only physically, but mentally, Mm -hmm. you know, because you want to think you're Superman. But in the end of the day, you're You're just just human. human. We all got brains and they're complex, you know, and and you jack your brain up. Mm hmm. You know, it's just like a, a computer, a, a laptop that, you know, the motherboard dies. It gives you that blue death of uh, blue screen of death. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a poor analogy, but work with me here. No, no, but absolutely. You know, when things get short circuited, it's not a it's not an easy fix. And sometimes it's not fixable. That's well. Yeah. And that's when you need to, you know, do the professional thing. Absolutely. And go that route and get over that. uh that uh, stupid uh, voice in your head that says that you'll be a pussy if you do so because mm-hmm. it could change your life dramatically. For yeah. The good. For yeah. The good. No doubt. For the good. No doubt. About, you know, and we, you, you brought up the one of the things we were going to talk about today was was anger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why you see a lot of these guys lash out. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. You know, maybe some things aren't. Right. I, I don't know how to say this. Are art right physically mm-hmm. in the brain. So sometimes things don't click the way they should. But other times it's just a case of these guys have no other way to to, to get it out of their system. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it goes to specifically chemical imbalances. Yeah, it's I mean, and those have certain triggers and the triggers are different for everybody. And, you know, one of those triggers could be anger. I think it's something Percy Harvin shared too was 
his most embarrassing moment of his entire career was on Super Bowl Sunday when he was in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what team. I don't know. But um, he ended up knocking out one of his teammates based off some stupid bullshit that triggered his anxiety. And and he, he you know, he, he openly talked about it and he was very apologetic about it and admitted it, admitted that that was just like the, the worst part of, of his entire career, the worst moment ever, knowing that they were about to play in the Super Bowl when that happened. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember that story. That was, uh, he was with the Seahawks at the time. Yes, that's what I was thinking. And, um, and, and again, I, I don't remember all the details, but I, I do remember he, he got into a fight with Golden Tate, who was um, one of the, the, his fellow wide receivers, because yeah. Percy Harvin was a wide receiver as yep. well. Um, you know, but I know you come from the entertainment background. You come from the music background. Talk a little bit about it from that, that perspective, because, you know, it's easy to talk about the sports side with, you can see people getting their, their asses kicked every play. And it's, let's not limit it to football. It's all sports. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you come from the music side, you come from the entertainment background. Yep. It, you you know, know, I'm sure you've seen some shit. Oh, my God. It's a lot of uh, self-medicating. I mean, honestly, it's a lot of self-medicating and uh, just personality issues. And when you're self-medicating with alcohol and drugs and stuff like that, and I'm not suggesting that, you know, the, the, the people that I work with directly did that kind of thing. But you're just around that type of environment. And uh, it's a party every single night. And. But for the most part, and, uh, you know, that just, just, you know, that could get kind of messy and, um, you know, being away from home for so long and not really having any, any family near you to, to be close with, you know, I love my, my touring brothers and stuff like that. And I love them to today, but, um, um, but, uh, you know, it, it, the, the mind wanders and, you know, just relationship struggle and all that kind of stuff. But I've witnessed, you know, uh, when people get to certain points when they're, you know, like drinking and, and cause problems and stuff happens like that. Or, you know, I mean, it's like, who was it? Um, Cornell? No, not Cornell. It was um, Scott Weiland, right? Mm-hmm. Dead in the tour bus. How many? I can't I can seriously talk to you all day about how many people uh, in the in the industry that I've known that have overdosed on a tour bus, literally. Mm. And the, in the pop world, like if you, uh, TMZ is really ridiculous. I, I, I turned their uh, alerts off because I got tired of knowing when the, one of the Kardashians was taking a shit. So uh, it was like, I can't do this anymore. So I'll go to it every once in a while. But, you know, like it was like a little, little peep or whoever, like all these different, um, up and coming, um, um, you know, amazing talents are dying of overdose. And then, you know, it kind of, you know, it segues into one of the topics I wanted to talk about. And I hate when people, cause it's a trigger for me and we're talking about anger and stuff because that's like, that's what, that was one of my things and continues to be one of my things. But, um, when people hear about someone, you know, overdosing or, uh, committing suicide or, uh, you know, death by suicide, whatever the proper term is. Um, and someone's like, Oh, saw that coming. <laughs> saw yeah. that coming. It's like, if you saw it coming, why didn't you try to stop? Why it? didn't you try to do anything about it? Even though like you could be talking about a famous person. Right. But uh, it's just, it's not, it's not a, it's not a cool statement. You know, it doesn't, it's, 
it's ignorant is what it is. And uh, I, I just personally hate that shit. And, you know, or I'm not surprised about that. You know, it's like, then what what type of knowledge did you have that you know that it was going to lead to something like that? And why didn't you do anything about it? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that shit pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, again, the public only sees what they want to see. Mm-hmm. Or they only see what they want the artist, the musician, the, the athlete, what they want the public to see. Right. You know, and I've made this comparison before with Warren Sapp. When Warren Sapp was in in the league, when he's in front of a camera, he's the happiest, you know, jolliest guy in the world. Yep. That camera goes off. He's the guy who's, you know, spitting chewing tobacco juice at at reporters. And it's like, (laughs) true story. I had that happen to me, by the way. (laughs) We won't go into it. But yeah, you know, and it's like you only get to see so much. And it's easy to lose track of the fact that these people put on their pants one leg at a time the same way you do. Yeah. These guys have lives off the field just like you do. Yep. And yep. And because they're always having to put on that show. Well, right. They're good at it. And it's easy. Yeah, exactly. And it's easy for the public to lose that perspective because at the end of the day, that person is their entertainment, Mm -hmm. which is shitty. Right. Exactly. You know, because. To, to the musician, the actor, the artist, it's a job. Yep. Just, just like Robin Williams. I mean. I love Robin Williams. I do too. And, you know, I mentioned his quote all the time, but just just be kind to people because you never know what they're battling. Yeah. Every, I'm not saying everyone is battling something. I would love to know what someone feels like that doesn't go through anxiety. Or any of those things. I've never. Yeah, I, 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 it's a, it's a foreign concept to me. I imagine it's like a six year old at Disney World, like on like like Peter Pan or something. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's unimaginable the magic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, you ne- you just never know. You never know, and that's why it's like I like to I like to uh, you know be in this community because I understand it and I get it, and I, I want to help people uh, as best that I can outside of being you know, a professional person. Um, but you know, I just, I think it's important, uh, to, to be very cognizant and like, keep your eyes peeled for people and people close to you. You think, you know, might be going through something. Um, there are certain, there are certain, uh, triggers and there's certain red things flags. that they can do, red flags that they can do that, uh, that if you know, when you educate yourself about, it, you can actually, you know, pinpoint those and, and go in and try to help. Yeah. I, I'm notorious for being one of those. Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Type of people. And the people closest to me call me on my bullshit. Yeah. People that I'm, I work around, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, he's fine. Well, whatever. But the people that matter and the people that know, know what that means. Right. It's like the other night when I posted something on my Instagram or whatever, and uh, immediately uh, you, uh, you you hit me up on the text and like, hey, are you good? I'm like, shit, I didn't want that <laughs> to sound. I didn't want it to sound like I was like going through some shit, even though I was. But I was trying to write it carefully so it didn't seem like a reach out for help or anything. Yeah, but I know you well enough to know. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, it didn't come across that way. But like I said, the people that know and people that matter. Yeah. yeah. Get it. Yeah. So I appreciate re- you reaching out. That's yeah, what I'm we good. do, brother. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm totally fine. I'm fine. All, yeah, I even said that in the post. All's good <laughs> and all, but the people that use the all's good, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. They know what that all's yeah. good, I'm fine means. Yep. yep. So, yeah, no, I get it. And, you know, that's that's part of the thing, too, is, you know, we talked about 
you know, guy, and I don't want to limit it to guys, but that's just the way men are brought up or at least how I was brought up. And we've talked about it before. And yeah, I don't want to sound like the old guy, but you know, that's just the way our generation was brought up. You know, guys can't show their emotions. Guys have got to be the strong ones. And that leads to the whole, Oh, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And a total disregard of how you really are. Right. And you know, the people that really need the help, aren't getting the help they need Mm -hmm. because of I'm fine. Yeah. Well, it's because they're afraid it. I mean, I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong, if this is a bad comparison, but like how, how many uh, gay NFL players we have tried to get in the league or actually play and just, I think there was like openly open openly. There's been like a a handful two, three. Michael Sam came out. um, A former Patriot offensive lineman came out after he was done playing. Yeah, so so there's been a, there's been a handful. So I kind of it's like that. So men like you know they in a professional setting like that they don't want to come out right because they're scared to right. Um, and it's the same thing with uh, with uh, you know these mental issues and stuff like that and anxiety. You don't want to come off as a weak individual, so therefore you just bury it and you don't you don't get help for it and you just you you self medicate or you figure out how to manage it on your own, which isn't healthy because you're not. You're not, you're physically not capable of fixing yourself. Right. You have to have an outsider help you like, with that. And with what you just said is one of the greatest things I've ever heard, by the way. What? And you don't even realize you said it. Probably not. No. You're incapable of fixing yourself. Shit. I, there's no way you can't. If you're meant, if you're mentally ill and you have those issues and the struggles, you're unfit to fix yourself. I, that's that's a great quote. I've, I've never heard it put that way, but you're not wrong. I mean, you're not wrong at all. You, I mean, it's like if you have heart problems and think you can get through it or you have cholesterol issues and think you're going to get through it on your own. It's like throwing you in the middle of a city with no map, no GPS and say, you have an hour to get here. Mm hmm. Yeah. And your your appointment's 45 minutes away. Or or that, that (laughs) furniture from Ikea. Oh God. Don't, I don't even go there. That, that, bags of screws and shit. Here right. you go. And you're going to have, you know, 50 screws left over that you don't know what the hell you're doing. You're going to do part it. you missed, but, but, but it's up there, but, but it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, I, that's a great, great way to put it. And I've, I've never really thought about it that way. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe like if you could just tell everybody that that's going through it, but like you're, you're unfit to fix yourself. So all your efforts to try, you're failing. You're you're going to fail. You're the hamster in the wheel. Exactly. You're running and running and running and running and running. Yeah. And, and not getting anywhere. And you're in the asylum, but you're not even running it. Yeah. You know that term. Oh, the the, the patients are running and the, running the inmates asylum, are running the asylum. Whatever that is, and it's it's you're you're not capable. You don't have the tools to fix yourself. You don't have the right mindset to fix yourself. You're just completely unfit to do the job, and someone else needs to get in there and do it for you. That's. That's brilliant. That's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. But um, I know you wanted to talk a little bit more about, you know, some of the stuff you've seen. I know you really wanted to dig kind of deep. Uh, some of the stuff from the road. Do you not want to go there? Oh, no, it's not that I don't want to go there. Um, I'm trying to go back to to that, actually. Um, you'd be surprised how many uh, people out there that are on that on the stage and stuff like that that actually have stage fright mm-hmm. um, and, and, and like 
you know, I myself don't like the limelight. And, you know, ever since I've gotten some help and stuff like that, I've gotten a lot better with it, but I still don't like it. Um, and you'd just be surprised how what these people have to go through, the steps they have to take all day in order to get out there and go do that thing. I mean, and, and do the performance and, and stuff like that and get all this shit out of their head. They don't want to focus on looking at faces or, you know, it's the same thing as if for me, it'd be like, uh, you know, 5,000 mirrors out there, like, fuck, I got to yeah. go do this, but I, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do it. So then it leads to, well, I'm just, I'm going to, you know, drink a half a bottle of vodka. I'll be fine. And then leads to a shitty show or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of, of different things that can go into, Oh my God, did I sound, did I sound right? And you know, you, a lot of, a lot of guys, uh, that, uh, that I know, um, in the industry, like could never, and my, me in particular would probably have a really hard time with it is like hearing themselves after a show. Like if something was recorded or whatever, mm-hmm. you don't want it cause you overanalyze things and your brain just goes a little wacky and crazy. And then you start to hear different things and whatnot. So, you know, it's just like the, the anxiety and, and these, these mental issues, stuff like that, that, that invade regular people's brains and, and famous people's brains. It's a real deal thing and everybody's got their own way of coping and dealing with it. But again, it's just, there's so many people that aren't, are unfit to fix themselves and they're doing things that they shouldn't have to be doing to get through life just on basic terms. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I think I was going to talk about like some success stories instead of like some bad shit. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows the bad stuff. Yeah. So like uh, a couple, just a couple of uh, like uh, breaking Benjamin, for for example, Ben, um, super cool dude uh, down to earth, just a, just a badass guy, um, but battled alcohol hardcore. Mm. I mean, hardcore to the point where I think that, if I remember the story correctly, like, uh, he lost like a portion of like his brain or some shit. Like, I mean, there's something I'd have to look into the detail, but, um, um, I blogged about it, but, uh, he basically, um, he, the band would never fly overseas. Like breaking Benjamin was, you know, they were a pretty big band and they still currently are now that they're back. But he was, he had so many mental issues as far as like anxiety goes and all that stuff. I mean, the damn name of the band was Breaking Benjamin. They would never fly overseas to make, uh, you know, make a living over there, which, which most bands do because he was scared to fly over there. Wow. So they never, they never, you know, took that opportunity because music over overseas in Europe and Russia and, and uh, just all those places is totally different than the U.S., um, not to knock any U.S. people and fans and stuff like that, but it's just a different kind of breed. It's over a different there. culture. Yeah, and they and they they appreciate music and shows and stuff like that in just a much different way. So it's sad to you know know that they never got to experience something like that. But um, you know, eventually the band broke up. His demons kind of started to to really like you know implode on him and whatnot, and the alcohol was just getting to be too much, and he started damaging his body pretty bad. Mm. But then he got some help, figured it out, you know, started the band back up and then uh, wrote new music. And the new music was like it was it was much harder than their normal stuff. And it they came right out of the gate, like just swinging. And, and the, the first single for radio was was 
was teetering like, I don't know, it's too hard. Like, who's going to play it? But they were like, I don't give a fuck. And it came out strong. It was badass, right? So, and now th- this last record that they did, I mean, I love it. It's so good. And it's, it's, I don't want to say it's like hard, like metal or anything like that, but it's tough. It's really, it's, it's a good hard rock, you know, uh, mainstream hard rock band. And, uh, it sounds fucking awesome. And, uh, he sounds great and, and he's telling great stories and there's a really cool video, um, that shows what tour life is like. And it's on my site if you ever want to check it out, it's under music reviews, but, um, uh, that's a really cool story. And then another uh, band I wanted to talk about, <laughs> the evolution of Bring Me the Horizon. Um, Ollie Sykes is the lead singer. And they started out as a smaller, um, like, screamo-style uh, warp Tour band. Like, that was their niche, right, being on Warped Tour. And all they did was just just scream. Everything was screaming. But it was like, because I like, I like, I like, I like metal that's screaming and stuff like that. But this type of screaming was just, it's like its own kind of like little niche and you got to kind of have a taste for it. Right. Um, and what he was doing, they had a really big fan base. Now they're fucking, they're gigantic, huge fan. Yeah. I was saying, I'm not, I'm not in, in that hard rock scene, but I even know the name of the, I, I know there that you go. Band, that's so. so that, that's how, the, how, that's how much they've crossed over. Right. 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 So he's addicted to ketamine. Um, and he referred to it as a scummy drug that took away my ego, um, and contemplated suicide. He said, he's in, he's like, I never actually, you know, killed myself. Obviously he's still here, but he didn't, he never really cared if he lived or died at that point. And this drug, I mean, I think I tried it one time, actually. I think the, I think the slang, the slang term for it is special K. I think I've, I've heard that before. I think. And, uh, yeah, it, it alters, alters your world and personality and hallucinations and shit. But, um, the main part about it, like, you know, him contemplating suicide, but, um, how cloudy he was and, 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 and how he didn't know who he was at the time when he was in this like spiraling drug addiction. And more importantly, the people around him, like his bandmates fucking hated him at that point. They were, they were dealing with a maniac basically. And so um, eventually, you know, he got the courage up enough to go into rehab, came out sober and just realized that that the drug was controlling everything who he was and making him someone he wasn't. Right. And so he openly said he was like so that the next record that they that they made um, was called Separternal. Uh, and uh, he told all the fans that instead of screaming everything out, then he finally wanted to sing to them. Mm. And it totally changed the perspective and the sound of the band. Um, and yet it was still, it was still really heavy, but he was singing in it and he sounds fucking great. Uh, and still screaming a little bit, but it's, a, you know, it's just a balance of both. And it was a, just a ama- It was an amazing record. And now these guys are, I mean, they're, they're, they're massive. And the, the last record that they put out, I mean, it's, it's straight up anywhere between, you know, something that's almost like pop and then something that could be, you know, uh, alternative basically mm. and still tough and heavy. And it's just, and they're just having fun and the, just watching how you can be, you know, controlled by a drug and, and, you know, sounds something like that, that all of a sudden getting out of that spiral and having that clarity and then look how successful it made them just by making that one decision, mm. the one decision to go get help, right? The one decision that, you know, I took to go get help, the one decision that anybody that's been there to, to get that help 
look at what life brings you afterwards. I'm like, if you could just tell somebody, like, look how valuable it is to go professionally talk to someone and find out how someone can fix you because you can't fix yourself and what what the outcome could be after that, you know? And, you know, at that point, you're not, you're not living in the plague of those challenges and that, that delusional mindset of, I got to keep doing this drug to, 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 I mean, self-medicating, I got to keep doing it because if I'm out of it, I'm fucked. Right. So, you know, take, it took the courage and another dude took the courage to say, look, I'm weak. I'm, I'm, I'm suffering right now. And, but that decision alone brought this band so much success and just change their outlook on life altogether. Now he's singing about love and stuff. It's all sappy because uh, he found like his, you know, one and only at some point. So it's just really it, the stories alone are really cool to to kind of think about. And 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 he, you hear the evolution of, of healthiness, you know, from the interviews and all that kind of stuff. And then the sound of the band from, like I said, screaming, uh, you know, sweating your ass off in the in the damn mud and dirt of of Vans Warped Tour summer, you know, things and to now, you know, playing uh, gigantic venues and stuff like that. Arenas, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's killer. You know, and, and you always hear, you know, to, to kind of make a left-hand turn here, you know, you, you think about comedians. Yep. You know, and, and all of them say, you know, the funniest comedians in the world are the ones that have gone through the most shit. Yep. You know, because they're basically turning their drama and their tragedy into jokes. Mm-hmm. And you making know, fun of themselves and whatnot. Yeah. And, and you look back at, you know, all of the people over the years, you know, the the Richard Pryors, the, uh, we'll throw Robin Williams in there. You know, all of these amazing comedians that everybody thinks are on top of the world. Chris Farley, you know, people like that, that you get them home and be behind those doors and they're their own worst enemy. Yep. Yep. And they, they, you know, the whole drug overdose and the whole everything. Belushi. Yeah. I mean, there are so many. There are so, there are too many. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are too many. Too many. But it's all Mm self-medication. It is. It is. And and I know for Chris Farley, I've read a lot about him. Um, You know, he, he, openly would make fun of himself for being overweight and stuff like that. And that was part of his like talent and what he did uh, as far as comedy and stuff like that. But in the inside, he never enjoyed it, you know, and especially with someone he like, he gave everything like 120% no matter what it was. So if he was drinking, he's drinking at 120%. If he's doing cocaine, he's doing it at 120%. If he's eating food, he's doing it at 120%. So, I mean, when he got, I think he got fired off of SNL. Yeah, they finally let him go. Yeah, and I and was never a big Chris Farley <clears> fan, <throat> but I love. I I I don't want to say I love the story, but I love the background of him. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I I see this is so not going to sound right, but I, I see similarities because I've always come from the, the the mindset of well, if I keep people laughing, they're not going to know the truth. Yeah, no, that makes and it's the whole sense. it's the whole Eminem eight mile thing of yep, yep. well, I'm going to make fun of myself before you can make fun of me. Yep. So there's nothing you can say that's going to expose me. That was that was that movie. I love watching. That I love movie. that movie. I know that moment, like when when he goes there. I mean, it's such a fucking cool moment. Yeah, it is. It's so like 
major. Like, I mean, it's not like the greatest movie in the world. No, but, but that one, that one oh, yeah. scene, I look forward anytime I watch. I, I'm, I just like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I get pumped up and shit. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it, it's it's the same same thought process though. Yeah, yeah. and you know, the, like you said, there are too many people that this this that, that it's happened to. Yeah, and so many talented people that it's happened to. And, and he's got a similar story because he was eating like I don't know, like I think it was somewhere around like ten Vicodin a day. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, and, and Percocets, all kinds of you know. He was that was his thing. He was doing that for a while. When uh, and when he finally got sober, he like I think he basically said, "I didn't know." I didn't know how to live life any other way. I, you know, that was just what I did. You know, some people smoke cigarettes. I fucking ate handfuls of pills. Like that was his thing. And uh, when he finally got sober, I think he, I think he put out a record that was like, he was, it was, he was trying to be experimental and the industry started hating on him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So now he's back. His last one was fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, but everybody's like, Oh, you got sober or whatever. Oh, and he sold out. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no man, he, he's a fucking dad and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. He, and he's also human yeah so yeah people people lose track of the human aspect of things and you know like we talked about earlier you know if you see somebody that you have even an inkling maybe struggling with something you don't realize just how far a, hey are you really okay <laughs> how far that can go yeah <laughs> don't give me the i'm fine yeah are you really okay what's going on with you just a conversation how far that can go yeah, I I joke about this all the time. I've probably said it on here a couple of times. But when people sometimes when I'm in a joking joking mood, I guess I could say if someone's like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" I'm like, "Do you really know? Mm-hmm. Would you like you want to take a seat?" And I'll tell you. And they're like, "Nah, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, all right, that's gonna wrap up this episode. It's good to be back. We. We've missed you guys. I'm not going to lie. We've missed you guys a little bit, but we're back on track now. We're going to be hitting you every Monday. And, uh, you know, don't forget to take care of yourself. And, you know, like he said earlier, you can't fix yourself. It's humanly impossible. Don't be afraid to break out of your comfort zone. Because, frankly, that that's what a lot of it is. You know, people are afraid to break out of, of the norm and break out of the comfort zone and, you know, break out of, you know, what they're used to. And trust me, I'm a creature of habit, too. I, I, I like my routines. And when my routines get broken, it jacks me up. But sometimes you have to jack it up. Yep. And you have to break that to get where you need to go. So, you know, if you guys are struggling out there, we end every episode. I try to give the National Suicide Hotline number. It's 800-273-8255. Guys, like I said, it's been good to be back. We'll be back next Monday with an all-new episode of A Place for My Head. He's Brandon Thompson. I'm Jerry Pizza. Don't forget to hashtag get it out. Morning Show is back. Hi, it's MJ. Join me along with Froggy and Fester. We're going to bring you up to speed on what's been happening since our last show. We'll even reveal never-before-heard stories from the past, including some infamous controversies. This is the great MJ Morning Show that you remember. With regular new episodes, we'll even have some of the crazy cast of characters on, like Dave the Dwarf and more. The all-new MJ 
Morning Show podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, on the iHeartRadio app, and RadioInfluence.com.